0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans, talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the Huskies are crowned national champs, skating through the end of the season, checking in on the NHL playoff race, headed down Magnolia Lane, previewing this year's Masters Tournament, UFC 287, live from South Beach. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade Colton cow.
1: Thanks, Matt. We're back here again on a Thursday night, uh, coming to you live in Matt's basement on a somewhat kind of cloudy, gloomy day, but, uh, you know, the sun kind of parted out of there, you know, a couple of times during throughout the day, but, uh, like Matt said, uh, going to start off kind of ending college basketball here, college basketball season, finally coming to a, coming to a wrap. And, uh, you know, like Matt mentioned, Huskies uh, of UConn taking home the national championship uh, after winning on on Monday night, taking down taking down San Diego State in somewhat again dominating fashion, like they have throughout this entire entire tournament. Matt, what were what were your thoughts? Maybe you know we also you know had the Final Four in right. between our, our our show last week as well. So if you want to. Talk a little bit about those, and then you know we'll we'll talk about the national championship
0: as well. What what what's your thoughts? Sure, I mean we'll start with the UConn Miami game. That the game we all thought was going to be the better of the two games mm-hmm. really turned out to be a stinker because UConn's just was on fire all tournament long. Mm-hmm. End up winning that thing seventy two to fifty nine. They shoot almost fifty percent from the floor. Uh, it did a great job, I think, 84% from the free-throw line. They mm-hmm. had 40 rebounds, five blocks. I mean, yeah. they're just unstoppable. Their big man, Adam Sinogo. Mm-hmm. had 21 points, 10 boards, two blocks. Yeah. You play like that, you're tough for anybody to beat. Mm-hmm. They, they just showed their dominance. And you know, that, This tournament, they really came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm, I, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were all right during the regular season, right, right. but they lost some games you, you wouldn't think a national championship-caliber team would lose. Right. They they really figured something out, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how many of these guys come back next year for another run at this thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, UConn taking down Miami, who was you know another hot team coming into it. You know, we we talked about you know we we thought our national champion was going to be one of those two teams. You know, the team that won that game was going to be the national champion, and you know that's how it played out, but. You know, as as impressive as this UConn offense has been throughout this tournament, I think I've been just as equally impressed with their their defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they held a a Miami team that I think was coming in averaging around somewhere eighty points a game, held them to fifty, right. uh, you know, under sixty, and then even in the national championship game. Yeah, I know San Diego State doesn't usually light up the scoreboard, but you know they 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 limited them as well. Um, you know, so as yeah, as well as, you know, the UConn's offense has looked throughout this tournament, their, their defense, they, they, they were complete, the complete package, you know, throughout this entire, entire tournament. Um, and and it's interesting because their first round game, they were actually in a tight ball game, their very first game against Iona. And, you know, people were worried, oh my gosh, my bracket's already going to be broken. You know, UConn's already, you know, going to take an L and I mean, the second, from the second half of that game, they haven't looked back since. Um, and, and, this Yukon team yeah has has looked you know dominant throughout the throughout the tournament and i think rightfully deserve because they look like the team that that should have been crowned national oh, champions yeah. based on their performance yeah. throughout the tournament yeah. um but then you know over on the other side obviously San Diego State beaten FAU on a on a buzzer beater mm-hmm. uh what a what a you know phenomenal game that was um yeah, i mean you know,
0: FAU looked to have that thing in hand yeah. for most of that game yeah. they just they went cold at the end of this thing mm-hmm. and yeah that was all she wrote
1: right yeah you, you somewhat your heart you know got to go out to them because yeah they they were up by i think 10 or 14 at yeah. one point in that game and and yeah just couldn't couldn't make some shots down the stretch but you know that's hats off to that san diego defense that you know that's what they're known for is getting getting the stops that they're they're used to getting and and but you know I I have to applaud San Diego State because in that game their offense came alive you know mm-hmm. they they had to score seventy points to win that game uh, which is not something that they usually like to do or you know not the style that they they uh, you know typically play but knowing that there was a national championship berth on the line right. you know they they stepped up in the moment and got you know got the W obviously. Came down to earth, you know, back in the, in the national championship game, you know, only scoring 59 points, but uh, you know, I, I this Yukon team, um, you know, they won every single one of their games by double digits, mm-hmm. their average margin of victory in all six of the games that they played was 20 points. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's nothing more you can say other than just, you know, a total dominant performance from beginning to end. And for this UConn team. really go down in the history books is one of the most dominant runs in the mm-hmm. tournament. Right. Um, you know, and, Uh, You know, it's kind of funny because as much madness and craziness that happened, you know, in the college basketball season and and even in this March Madness tournament, it almost seems like the basketball gods still made it all play out in the end. Because, I mean, a blue blood, even though UConn hasn't had some great seasons here of late, they have been one of those more traditional blue bloods. So, yeah, the, the, the basketball gods. Made it all, you know, come back down to earth and and everything, you know, played out the way it it should by UConn hoisting the national championship. But a lot of craziness in between to get to get to that point. I'll Uh, tell you
0: this about this UConn team. People really got to remember they're one of the biggest dynasties in college basketball over mm -hmm. the last probably 10, 20 years. Yeah, they've got five national championships Mm -hmm. in that time more than any other college college hoops team so yeah right pretty impressive by this yukon dynasty right and uh you know just to you know add on to that is that they got a
1: perfect five and oh record in national championship games so you know if if, if you're a betting man or you know you're a betting man or a betting woman you know they make it the national championship you probably like their odds to to win it based on their record i think even their record in the final four i believe they only lost excuse me like one final four game Mm -hmm. in the you know their history i think they're like Twelve and one or thirteen and one in Final Four um, appearances. So, you know, if they can get to the Final Four, I really like their chances <laughs> yeah. to make it to the national championship right. and then, you know, when hoist a fans. hoist a national championship yeah. too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, talking about you know individual player performance, you know, uh, Adama Sonogo uh, was the the most outstanding player for for uh, Connecticut uh, and had a, had a good performance in in the national championship, obviously also in the Final Four game. Uh, national Championship. He had 17 points and 10 rebounds uh, throughout the tournament. He averaged just shy of 20 points and um, just shy of uh, 10 rebounds, almost a double double throughout all six games uh, in the in the NCAA tournament. So, had had himself a heck of a, a heck of a series here. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what he decides to do if he if he comes back um, or not. Um, but you know, looking at looking at San Diego State, you know, like I said, that the offense just wasn't wasn't there in this game. They went went a uh, a stretch in the first half, almost at eleven, a little over eleven minutes, where they didn't score a single bucket. I mean, you you can't do that against a team, obviously UConn, that can score it in bunches. You can't
0: go almost a whole half without scoring scoring a bucket that's going makes you wonder if fau would have been the better matchup. up there mm-hmm. they're a little more of a, a scoring oriented team right right yeah you know, could, could they have put on a little better showing i guess you always think that though when a championship opponent gets blown out right, right. The same in football this year mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. you know tcu just got their doors blown off right the championship. right you are thinking when michigan or ohio state been a better better matchup opponent.
1: yeah yeah so during that during that stretch, you know, before that stretch started, San Diego State was actually leading by four points. After that eleven minute stretch, they were down by eleven. So in that you know in that yeah. ten minute span, they go from leading by a couple buckets to trailing by double digits, yeah. um, and and that's and just that how quickly it, yeah. it can change. You know, for this for this UConn team, uh, but yeah, just again, not enough offense for a San Diego State team that you know couldn't get enough stops too to go along with not being able to score, um, you know, just, yeah, a complete performance from, from the Huskies, um, you know, and yeah, we'll see what, what their team decides to do. Um, obviously their coach, uh, Danny, Danny Hurley, you know, a legend in his own mind, his brother, a, a, you know, a Duke legend, his dad, a, a legend in high school basketball. It's good to see, you know, Danny finally getting his, getting his own, you know, his own element or, you know, stepping out of, Outside of his brother and his dad's shadow, and, and and having something to claim for for himself, um, you know that that you know I'm, I'm, yeah, proud proud of him, and you know great great performance from this from this UConn team, um, and and Vegas likes him to likes him to repeat for next year. Already got him as the you know the favorite to to win next year, but obviously way too early for yeah, me,
0: not knowing a lot still to happen. Yeah, and, a know. lot a lot
1: still to come. You know, transfer, transfer portal. portal yeah. You know, players staying, leaving. You know.
0: Incoming classes, all that stuff is. I mean, there's players from good teams leaving. I, right. I don't get this whole transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you as a Michigan man, right? Be scratching your head on what Hunter, Hunter Dickinson. Doing. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn between because he, he, outside of his freshman year, he's kind of I don't know the effort. Like he's been dominant. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's had you know still putting up you know numbers, but I don't know. It just seems like he's somewhat been checked out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just from watching some games, it just doesn't seem like he was. Yeah, fully vested after kind of his freshman year yeah. at Michigan. So I just think, I don't know. But do you want a guy like? I mean, right. maybe it's the best. The best thing for Michigan is right. that you know, yeah, you lose a guy that obviously somewhat double, of like double, a double machine. machine but yeah. you know, do you want a guy that that's not really there that gives you the the effort right. every night? Every night. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, obviously, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of big names. You know, players that you know. I think I just saw. One of Alabama's uh, guys is is in the transfer portal. was a was a five star recruit coming out of high school, a a McDonald's All American, and he's he's leaving and going. You know, hasn't announced where he's going, but put his name out there to see where he might be headed off to. uh,
0: Creighton's Creighton star guard. He put his name into the transfer portal. Right. So was a team that made a run this year. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um. You know, one couple buckets away from you know playing in this Final Four. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, like I said, Vegas likes Connecticut's odds, but, you know, a lot can change between now and, you know, November. Um, so we'll we'll see, uh, you know, what, what we'll be back with you in the in the fall to see, you know, what uh, what happens in college basketball. Yes, so sure. closing closing the door on it. And, uh, you know, going to be talking about, you know, a couple other you know sports that we've you know kind of missed here as as uh, basketball has been somewhat taken over. So and one of those sports. We'll transition over to, to the ice. Um, you know, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Well, the N, the NHL is right on their coattails, too. Um, so we're going to, you know, similar to like we did last week with the NBA, we're going to kind of run through the standings as they are today um, and kind of look at, you know, some of the matchups and just, you know, see who we like because uh, there's still still a lot to play for, even for teams that are still fighting for a spot. Even some of these teams, as far as, you know, seating goes of right. who they're matching up against, in some of these division races, uh, still, you know, still a lot to play for. Um, you know, each team has roughly about four or five, you know, some teams a little bit more than, than others games left. Um, but yeah, so we'll start, start over kind of in the, in the Eastern conference. Um, you know, it's a little bit, little bit different format than what the NBA does. Um,
0: it's uh, not just best record. Right, right.
1: It's, it's teams from each division, you know, the top three teams from each division, make it into the playoffs and then the next two are the are the wild card team the next two best teams from any division you know from any of the eastern conference divisions that that make it in so over um in the atlantic division um you got the number one team and the best team in hockey right now the boston bruins sitting there with 125 points already wrapped up the president's trophy which is the the team that has the best regular season record um Right, not really right behind them, but behind them, the Toronto Maple Leafs with 102 points. Uh, they've already clinched a playoff spot. And then behind them is, you know, a household name in Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, with uh, 96 points, and they've also clinched a playoff spot. So, you know, those three teams are your three teams from the Atlantic that will be representing the Atlantic Division
0: crazy you're looking at a 96 point team and you're saying that that's a down here for tampa bay right
1: absolutely (laughs) uh yeah crazy to think because yeah they've been up there and i mean they still have the chance they're still got a couple games to get into the hundreds or whatever but they have been you know the last several years one of those teams that have been the top of their division or you know dominant in their division so uh then over in the metropolitan division uh we got the carolina hurricanes Mm -hmm. at 109 points they've clinched a playoff spot already Right behind them, you got the New Jersey Devils with 106 points. They've also clinched a playoff spot. And then right behind the Devils, you got the New York Rangers with 103 points. And they've also clinched a playoff spot. So the three spots in the Metropolitan are are locked up as well. But one through three can change. I mean, there's still each team has about three, four games left. So there's still a lot of, you know, could be a lot of movement there. That only a couple of points right. separate them. So, you know, we could be looking at, you know. The Rangers going from the three spot all the way to the one spot, and again, doesn't really change anything other than who you match up with in the in right. the first rounds. Um, then over in the Eastern Conference Wild Card, uh, you still got six teams that are still available at the moment. Uh, haven't been, you know, haven't been statistically eliminated. Obviously, there's, you know, the teams that are sitting five and six have a very slim margin, right. but still statistically allowed but really, as
0: four through six because four and five have the same record right yeah, right
1: yeah. <clears throat> um so currently your first wild card team is the the Florida Panthers with 87 points um they're they're sitting at first right now um and then the two spot is the New York Islanders with also
0: with 87 points. Right. That must be a win by a tiebreaker yeah. over wins over over time right. wins. I'm
1: right. Um, and then right behind them, a, a household name, the three seed or, you know, the three third team in the wild card, the Pittsburgh Penguins with 86 points. So they're right behind both of those teams.
0: Yeah, if they don't make it in, is it time to blow that thing up in Pittsburgh? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see yeah, what they, what they do. Cause yeah, like I said, it's a team that we're used to seeing yeah. be in the playoffs and competing in the playoffs year in and year out. But yeah, it, it, those, the team, much like a team I'll talk about here in a little bit, obviously only getting, getting older. uh You know, they've had a lot of those, you know, key guys for a long time on that team. uh It's it. Yeah. At some point you got to start looking to the, Look into the future if you're if you're Pittsburgh, but, you know, we'll see if they can, you know, sneak their way in here. Um, then uh, we got four uh, right now is the Buffalo Sabres with 81 points. Uh, the Ottawa Senators also have 81 points. And then finally the, the sixth team that has a possible chance to make it into the wild card, make it into the playoffs, the Detroit Red Wings with 79 points. Um, and then over the East, the only team, the teams that have been eliminated, uh, the Washington Capitals, uh, a team that has been pretty dominant in hockey here the last several, several years, um, you know, so we'll see what, uh, you know, what, what happens there. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Montreal Canadiens, and our hometown Columbus Blue Jackets. Are, Philadelphia was the other team that right. was really good last year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Not, not making it Right. Um, so, if if the playoffs were to start today over in the east, here's the matchups that we that we got. So the Atlantic number one seed, which is the Bruins, uh, would be taking on the second wildcard team, which as it stands today is the New York Islanders. Uh, the Bruins swept the regular season 3-0 in that in that series. Uh, the Metropolitan uh, number one seed, which is currently the Carolina Hurricanes would then take on the first wild card team, which now is the Florida Panthers. That series was tied one-to-one. Those teams are division rival, or not only, uh, you know, same conference, but they're in their same division. So, uh, you know, one-to-one in the regular season in that series. Hard to believe they've only played twice. Being right, in being in the same division. division. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how – Or what if they finish out
0: playing each other a couple of right. times? Right,
1: there could be, like I said, most teams have about three, four games. There could be one more or two more games left left in there to play each other. And then another division versus division um game, you got the two seed in the Atlantic, which is currently the Toronto Maple Leafs, going up against the Atlantic number three seed, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um those teams also tied one-to-one in the regular season. Um, that one, I'm looking – I got that one somewhat circled on my on my calendar here. I think that's going to be, be an exciting you got like series. Tampa
0: Bay with that playoff grid right, and the experience, right. been there, done that.
1: Right, and it's somewhat the complete opposite for the Maple Leaf. not not as far as experience goes because they've been a team that's made it to the playoffs, but it just seems like they do really well in the regular season, mm-hmm. and then they collapse when it yeah. comes play playoff time. Um, so we'll, it'll be, yeah, interesting to see. Obviously – Toronto will have kind of the home home ice advantage in that one um but yeah that that's one I got circled as as a you know an interesting first round matchup um and then finally uh the metropolitan the number 2 seed right now you got the New Jersey Devils going up against the 3 seed New York Rangers
0: uh, subway series actually right so the devils
1: sense. again another division versus you know division here um you got the Devils took it three to one in the in the regular season. So, <clears throat> Matt, any any thoughts on the on the East? I know I talked a lot there, but uh, any any thoughts there on you know who who you might you know wild card wise? Who do you who do you like or um, you know is there any of those division matches or mostly in the Metropolitan?
0: Do you see anything right. changing there? Or, uh, you know, I, I think the Metropolitan is probably going to end up stacking up just like it is. Okay. I, I don't think there's enough games left to mm-hmm. really. Make a, make, make a difference. Yeah. I I think it's probably going to stay right where it's at. Mm-hmm. I think Boston continues to run away with this thing. I, right. don't, I don't. Maybe until the the Eastern Conference Championship, might they get some competition some above, in my yeah, mind? Right. I, I feel like they're going to run mm-hmm. run through this thing. Yeah, but we thought that of other teams in the past, and it doesn't happen. So, right. Yeah. You know, anything can happen come come playoff time. Right, but right. Boston's looking looking dominant. Right. You know, looking at these wild card teams. You know, I, I think that's. Pretty well said as well with those two having 87 wins. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh got that outside chance, but they just haven't played great this year, mm-hmm. you know. It, maybe they get something going here. I'd have to look and see who, who these guys are playing. I really didn't dig that far. Yeah, into so it. it is
1: interesting. I did I did write down the, the remaining games, mm-hmm. you know. It, it is interesting. I can almost see, now It obviously they're only a point behind, mm-hmm. the Panthers' next three games they play the Capitals. I believe they play them on Saturday. Then their next two games, they play the Maple Leafs and the Hurricanes. Yeah. Both, you know, up there towards the top. Right. You know, yeah. will they play all their guys? You know, who, who knows? You know, we obviously don't know what, you know, what teams are going to do. But you look at Pittsburgh's schedule, they play the Red Wings, who, you know, that game could go either way. Right. But then they play the Blackhawks, who are 20 games below 500. <laughs> Then they wrap up the season with the Bluejacks, Blue Jackets, yeah. which are another 20, 20 games below yeah. 500. So if there's a team that could sneak in, I yeah. like the Penguins' chances yeah. just because of their of their schedule. Now the Islanders, I think, are a lock mm-hmm. uh, because their next three games they play the Flyers, who are below 500, play the Capitals, who are currently at 500, mm-hmm. and then wrap up the season with the Canadians, who are also well below
0: 500. Right.
1: I like the Islanders' chances. Yeah to make the wild card. But I don't know the Panthers, they, they scare me just because of that schedule. I like Pittsburgh.
0: Bob's start feeling playoff pressure before the playoffs. Right. And and, you know, he, he never does well that this time of year. Mm -hmm. Right. Could that haunt them?
1: Right. The, the other team, you know, four through six, I just, their schedules are pretty, pretty tough looking at it. And, and again, they're behind the eight ball already because they are multiple points down already where Pittsburgh is only a point behind. So it's, it's, you know, could be a make or break, you know, even one game could be the deciding factor in that one, but these other teams, you know, four through six, I think they just got a tougher slate of games and just too many points behind. to. to, to
0: if Pittsburgh gets in, Boston doesn't want to see that in the first round. Probably, probably experience, not. Right. Sidney Crosby, the great. great that, that'll be there. another
1: one, you know, to probably, you know, circle really on the, you know, on the list just because, yeah, Pittsburgh still, do they got one more final playoff right. push in them, you know, and, that momentum obviously is huge coming into the playoffs. It's not always the best team that comes out on top. It's the yeah. team that, that's hot at the right time. And you know, if Pittsburgh can 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 get hot here late in the season. Look out, you know, Eastern Conference. I, I, this Eastern Conference is is loaded. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, throw some money on the Eastern Conference. Somebody from the Eastern Conference yeah. is winning this Going Stanley this Cup, thing. I think, um yeah. because this 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 side, you know, is is loaded with with teams. So all right. Well, you know, we'll we'll move it over to the Western Conference. You know, I'm I'm you know writing the Western Conference off, but they got some good teams over there yeah, in the West yeah. too. So, uh, Matt, do you want to run through run through it and um, you know I'll I'll chime in, sure. you know here and then. So
0: yeah, you know well, in the Western Conference, I'll start in the in the better of the two leagues here, mm-hmm. the Pacific. You yeah. got Vegas leading the way here with 104 points. Uh, followed closely by Edmonton at 103 and then Los Angeles, not even far behind at a hundred. Mm-hmm. So really a lot of movement could happen there, but right. I'll tell you what, we're even closer up here in the central. <sighs> wow. Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, all 98 catching in at 98 points, right? Anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen there. That's, a, a good weekend, and somebody goes from third to first. Right, yeah, right, mean, yeah. First yep. to third, or right. possibly even uh, you start looking at these wild card teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as likely. You got Seattle there sitting at ninety four points, mm-hmm. and then uh, Winnipeg and Calgary both at eighty nine. Yep. Nashville with the the far outside chance sitting at eighty six. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, I'll let you run down what the matchups would be. I didn't dig yeah, into that. Yeah,
1: nope. I I can I can do that. You know, but before I do that though, you know. A team that finally, I think, is living up to their potential, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. We talked, we talked about, you know, their guy and Connor McDavid being the MVP throughout the whole season, but their team being so bad. Right. They're finally playing well, and they got a three-headed monster there uh, in in Edmonton. Where you know, look out, this team could be a, a dark horse in the right. West to you know to, to to really get it done. But yeah, finally, the wins are starting to happen with the individual performances and that's also make
0: mcdavid surefire MVP oh yeah this year, yeah because yeah. he finally has what he's been missing
1: i don't since. know what the odds are <laughs> but he has to be a heavy favorite yeah. at this point yeah because now finally the wins are there and the individual performance yeah. uh yeah that he has to be a, a ridiculous favorite right now to, to win mvp um but yeah as far as the the, the matchups go um as they stand today we got the Pacific, the number one seed, which is the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we get to see the number two wildcard team, which right now is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, The Golden Knights swept the regular season series three to nothing. Um, Then you got right now the central number one seed, which is they determined the Colorado Avalanche, which I think is probably based on just overall wins or Uh, overtime.
0: They have a game in hand. They've only played 76. The other two have played 77.
1: Okay, there you go. So. They are currently the number 1 seed in the central um division. Uh they would take on then the number 1 wild card team which the Seattle Kraken, only their second team, you know, second year in the league right. and they're already making, you know, making the playoffs. And look out because they actually took this regular season series against the Avalanche 2 to 1. Right. So, you know, and and as far as points go, they're, you know, just slightly behind them there in the in the point standings. Uh, so that could be
0: color, color, color me jealous of these two, uh, expansion teams, playoffs year in, year out. And yeah, you got yeah, the jackets, right. Just can't figure it out. It up. Yeah, can't, can't figure, figure it out. Yeah. I yeah.
1: don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> maybe Columbus, maybe they should move to Cleveland or move to Cincinnati yeah, and then call it over. Them, call themselves an expansion <laughs> team and, and start over and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they can do. But yeah, it, you know, between the golden Knights and this Kraken, I mean, yeah, they've, they've figured it out, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Um, then the other matchup, the the central uh, number two seed, which now is is currently the Dallas Stars, would take on then you know the central number three seed, which is the Minnesota Wild. Uh, series between those two tied two to two in the regular season, um, and then finally the Pacific number two seed, which is the Edmonton Oilers, taking on the Los Angeles Kings, which is the three seed uh, over in the Pacific Division. Um, that series also tied two to two in the right. regular season. And that's, that's, you know, over in the West, I, I really like kind of like that matchup. That's, that's going to be, I think they may have even matched up in the first round or second round last year. And, uh, I think Edmonton took it in game game seven in, yeah. in that series last year. So could be, could be exciting, obviously two division guy, you know, two division teams that see each other quite a bit, right. you know, there's probably going to be some bad blood. It'll be interesting to see. How that how that stacks up. Um, you know, and and yeah, like I said, over on this side, a lot of these teams, you know, somewhat close in, in points, you know, pretty, pretty close between each other. Um, so yeah, this this Western conference, you know, as much as I'm writing them off and, you know, crowning my champion somewhere from yeah. the East. Be good hard, I think hard the West is hockey. gonna be maybe they may have been even more battle tested right. to get there. So maybe that makes it, you know, makes it difficult for the East champion. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think we got some, some good hockey left. I mean, like I said, only three, three, four games left, but still a lot to play for even for teams that have already technically clinched a playoff spot. They're, they're, they're fighting for their you know seeding lives of trying to find a, a better matchup in right. this, in this sense. And uh, that, that can be, you know, the difference maker between either you know losing in the first round or making a run to the conference right. finals. Yeah. Um, well, who do you you know? Obviously, I think I think I read something. The Kraken, if they win tonight, they are laid lock up a spot in in the wild card. Oh, right. So they and they in their game tonight they play the Blackhawks, who are well below five hundred. So you know, statistics would say that they have a very good chance of winning tonight. Um, so they're in. So then it's really between you know the Jets, the Flames, and the Predators for that final wild card spot. Um, you know, kind of looking at the schedules, I don't know. It, it's tough to tell. These two teams or these three teams, each one of them kind of have a real, you know, have an interesting schedule. But the Jets, I could even see falling out of this one. They their their next four games, they play the Predators, which is gonna be a crucial matchup. Uh, then they play the Sharks, who are well below five hundred. Then they finish out the season with the Wild and the Avalanche, which are still, you know, very competitive in their own division. So I feel like those two teams are still going to be trying to fight for something or, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the Flames, I think, have maybe a little bit it's, – it's interesting, the three teams we're talking about here – they each play each other. Right. So the but Flames.
0: What's got to be tough for Calgary is they've they've played more games than these guys. Mm-hmm. Calgary's in at seventy nine games. So mm-hmm. you got Winnipeg with a, a game in hand with mm-hmm. the same same eighty nine points. Right. That that is huge for right. them. Right. And you got Nashville who's sitting at eighty six points, but right. they've played two less games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that's two more chances to really add add to that overall overall tally there right, right. You give yourself a shot to get in this thing. Yeah. Calgary, you know, they're they're kind of. Going to be the guy in the clubhouse, just hoping no, nobody ever happens. takes them. Yeah, you know?
1: right, right. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's it's interesting. Yeah, these last three teams fighting for a spot, they all play each other at least one time here in the next, you know, several mm-hmm. games. the The Jets play play the Predators. The Predators actually play both the Jets and the Flames. And then, like I said, the Flames do play the Predators. So, some competitive hockey between these three teams at the very end, you know, which I think is probably what the NHL. So Nash-
0: to me, it almost sounds like Nashville really controls their own destiny mm-hmm. by playing both of the teams ahead of them and right. having those two extra games in
1: hand. It's it's almost interesting because the Jets and the Nashville Predators almost play an identical schedule. Do they? They, you know, like I said, the Jets and the Predators match up in a game. I think that's on Saturday. The only difference is one game. So the Jets instead of playing the Flames, they play the Sharks. But then the last two games of the season. The Jets play the Wild and the Avalanche. The Predators play the Wild and the Avalanche to finish up the season. So very odd how that, you know, how that works out. But, yeah, it, it it's, uh, yeah, still some competitive hockey here in the last, you know, half of the, not really half, but last, you know, week of the season. Um, so, yeah, a lot to, lot to play for here. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know. NHL, you know, playoff hockey is always where it, where it gets gets yeah, interesting. Um, you know, and a whole new level of, of hockey. You know, you got to take take your game to the next level in this one. And um, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. We'll see if the Bruins used up all their gas in the regular season, or if they you know truly are the dominant team and are gonna run through this playoffs. You know, like they did in the regular season, or if they they stumble somewhere along the yeah. along the lines. Um, so. A lot of of good hockey left, but, yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, Well, we're going to take a uh, quick uh, commercial break. Uh, Stick with us. We're going to talk a little bit of golf after we get back, so stick around. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Like I mentioned before the break, talk a little golf news. Um, first major is upon us: the Masters, baby, in Augusta, Georgia, at Augusta National. Um, nothing, nothing like playing golf, you know, in uh, in April at uh, down in Georgia. But things are going to get a little bit interesting here as far as the weather goes uh, today. Very beautiful, high 80s. Great, great day for golf. Next. Several days, not so good. Right. Uh, tomorrow, again, warm in the 80s, but a 95% chance of rain. Ugh. And it's and it's looking later in the day. So it looks like the guys that are going to play in the morning, get the early morning tea times, they may or may not be able to get their round. And it's those guys that have the kind of the afternoon or later in the day tea times that it's going to get a little bit dicey uh, to see, see what happens. We may be... You know, playing the second round into the you know into Saturday, but it doesn't get any better from there. Uh, Saturday temperature drops thirty degrees, goes all the way from eighty to fifty, with a ninety-eight (laughs) percent chance of rain, and the winds by the end of the (laughs) right. The winds really pick up, Uh, so it will be interesting to see how they how they handle it. Uh, Sunday, then back still in the fifties, about a twenty-five percent chance of rain, uh, still. 10 to 20 mile an hour wind. So definitely some different conditions that these guys are going to be battling. So definitely today was the key of getting low scores today because the rest of the weekend may, may not be maybe tough to get, get some low, some low scores. And if, if by chance that this thing has to run into Monday, it's looking good for, for Monday, about 65 degrees, 7% chance of rain, wind about 10, 10, 15 miles an hour. But, uh, so yeah, if by chance that you know all this rain or whatever does push it out, Monday looks like a good day to to, to wrap it up if if we have to. Right. But uh, you know, enough about the weather. Let's let's talk about the actual you know guys playing on the on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the big storyline coming into it. Tiger obviously playing in this in this Masters. Um, you know, got got started uh, about mid morning this morning. Uh, finished finishes round two over. Currently tied for. 54th uh, among, among the group kind of started off shaky, but you know, kind of had some, had some, I guess some glimpses of, of his former self. He
0: still has, he has those flashes, but he's clearly not, not all there. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, I I think now that he's just playing for those flashes. I I don't think he's playing for tournament championships Mm -hmm, anymore. mm -hmm. I I think he's, Playing to keep the crowd engaged and right, playing for those flight and for the love of the game. I think mm-hmm. he does enjoy golf. And oh loves yeah, being out there, but yeah, he's definitely kind of a shell of his self here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad to see.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. You know. And. Uh, but we'll see what he can do. Obviously, tomorrow uh, with that high chance of rain, he he, like I said, got teed off, you know, mid morning. So he's gonna it's gonna flip flop tomorrow. He's probably gonna be somewhere mid afternoon tomorrow teeing off. So he may not even get the chance to tee off, or if he does, he may only get through a couple of holes because of the the rains and you know the storms rolling in. So, uh, but. You know, when I look at this Masters, you know, obviously the first round done done today. Um, currently, we got a three-way tie at the top of the leaderboard between um, a guy Brooks Kepka, you know, a household name, yep. uh, Victor Hovland, um, kind of a young guy in the in the mix, uh, and then John Rahm, also at the top. You know, a guy that we talk about quite a bit. You know, a three-way tie at seven under at the at the top of the leaderboard there. Um, Matt, what what do you
0: think about this? You know, anything any golfers you like, or you know, what what's your thoughts so far? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You see some of those big names up there towards the top, and Kareem's kind of risen to the to the top at, early on. And mm-hmm. if, if the weather does play a factor into this thing, you got to kind of like those experienced guys mm-hmm. to know how to battle through it mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. keep that lead. So I, I think that's huge for Rom and Kepka right now to yeah. to kind of have that bit of a cushion and, mm-hmm. and really help them. Right. And and Vegas likes him right now too. After that first day of play, John Rahm, he's a, a plus three twenty. He's he's the betting favorite at okay. this point, followed by uh, Scotty Scheffler, who's a plus four fifty. Mm-hmm. Brooks Koepka at a plus six fifty. Mm-hmm. Jason Day the next closest at a plus nine hundred. So yeah. it's it's kind of interesting that Hovland, even though he, he started Start started out with, hot. with hot and they, you know seven under tied for the lead, he's not there in that top four or five mm-hmm. in, in yeah. the betting odds right now.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh, interesting because. Mm-hmm. This is the first event where the LIV, you know, the other golf league, mm-hmm. the other guys are playing with the guys that stuck it out in the PGA. I know that that's been a topic or a hot topic of discussion between, you know, the PGA, the LIV, you know, um, this entire week, obviously a lot of so a lot of drama. very weird that. interactions right, with Nicholson. And... Right, right. Um, so, you know, it's the first event where that's taking place because outside of, you know, these majors – the LIV golfers cannot play in any Mm. of the other tournaments. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's going to be interesting throughout all these, all these majors, how that kind of dynamic plays out, Um, you know? So yeah, Kepka obviously made the jump to the, to the LIV himself, but it's, it's interesting to see that he's up at the top of the leaderboard, you know, jumping to the other league hasn't really diminished his game or, you know, hasn't changed his game. He's still. And it shouldn't. Uh, yeah, a yeah. Golf is golf. Oh, right, I mean, if you're right. playing
0: regularly, you're, mm-hmm. you're you're doing what you need to do to hone your craft. Right. Uh, so,
1: you know, we'll, we'll see how it, uh, how it shakes out, you know, some other golfers, uh, you know, I had kind of written down as, as, you know, guys to guys to watch, you know, John Rahm, obviously currently the third ranked, uh, you know, golfer amongst the uh, world golf rankings, uh his best finish at the at the masters has been fourth um and then obviously his first round he finished seven under he's tied tied for first um scotty scheffler who's currently the number one ranked golfer um his best finish he won the thing back i think it was last year i think or even two years ago he won it um and
0: had himself a pretty decent you know first round uh four under uh tied for tied for sixth currently not a bad place to be with, like you said, the weather. And, right. you know, you can make up a couple shots here or there. The mm-hmm. other guys lose a couple shots. and Right, and he'll get the advantage back. in Friday because I believe he teed
1: off in the afternoon. So he'll get the advantage that he's going to tee off in the morning. So he may be able to get get out before the weather gets right. really bad and, and maybe pick up a couple strokes right. where the guys that are teeing off, you know, in the afternoon are going to maybe lose a couple to mm-hmm. begin with. So, yeah, he's sitting sitting pretty well or, you know, sitting where you want to be if you're trying to, you know, win another green jacket. Um, and then a guy that has never won a green jacket, Rory McIlroy, who's currently the second ranked golfer, his best finish has been second place, Um uh, had an okay day finished even on the, mm. on the day tied for 37th, um,
0: seven shots. So that's, right, that's, right. that's a, that's a that's bit a of a task to make up
1: bit, a bit of a stretch. Um, but if there's anybody that can do it, it it's, you know, Rory's a, a great golfer. Um, and then another guy I got on here, um, Actually, a couple other guys. I got Xander Shoffley, um, currently seventh. Uh, his best finish, he tied for second a handful of years ago. Um, his, his round, he actually, he also finished four under, tied for sixth. And then uh, Cameron Smith, um, the Australian, um, currently the sixth-ranked golfer, uh, his best finish, tied for second. And um, his first round, he finished two under, which is good for 17th on the, on the day. So um, yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of top guys up there that I'm, that I'm paying attention to. Um, you know, Hovland was kind of on my borderline golfers mm-hmm. to watch. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, he's off to a, off to a great start, but yeah, we'll see if that, that youth comes into right. play with him or if he's able to, you know, keep this, keep this momentum going. I mean, he, I got caught a few of his, of his highlights uh, a after, after work, he, I mean, he looked he looked good, um, but obviously the conditions are gonna gonna change right. drastically, and you know that that means you got to be able to adjust on the on the fly. So um, it's it's you know a couple of things that you know this course to me. I think the most important thing is is the approach approach shots. Um, these greens are very speedy. They're sloped very weird, very awkwardly, very steep so your second second and third shots mm-hmm. are going to be your critical parts to getting low scores on this on this course so i think you know you you definitely the the guys that are going to rise towards the top we I mean, be the guys that that get the greens in regulation and set themselves up with you know 10 12 foot you know 15 foot putts instead right. of the long 25 30 uh, uphill, 40 putts. yeah
0: uphill changes direction six right. different ways right
1: right uh, i think those you know those are the guys that are going to rise towards the top here, you know, in the in the leaderboard. Um, so that's something to, you know, kind of look out for in this masters. Obviously, the weather is going to play a big, a big factor, I think, in this one. Um, you know, so we'll see. Because obviously if they have to delay, I mean that 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 just throws off a lot of your momentum because you have to, again, get yourself back into that rhythm, get back into that, you know, especially for somebody that's playing, they're playing hot. And then right. all of a sudden you got to, you know, stop play. Yeah. You got to get yourself back, ready to go, get yourself ready, ready to go. And it, it it is, it's tough when you can't just play four straight
0: days of golf. And it then is, all of a sudden one bad shot just leads it to turns into another bad shot yeah. and
1: another bad shot. And, and there are holes where they, yeah, they can, they can wreak havoc on yeah. you where it, it plays mind tricks on you. So It'll be uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see how some of these you know top guys how they navigate this this weather and this and this course uh, given the conditions uh, you know but uh, yeah three three guys tied at the top of the leaderboard um Matt anything you want to
0: add or are we good to yeah, good to move I, I on I think we hit, hit a lot of the high points and yeah. I just it, it's always exciting golf at the Masters mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be an exciting weekend going yep. the rest of the way here yep
1: we'll uh, we'll see obviously yeah what what Tiger can do uh, see if he can you know get some low scores tomorrow or you know what what what's going to happen but uh obviously at this point yeah just wants to try to make the cut and right. be able to play you know the next two rounds just for simple practice sake mm. at this point being able to see if he has the stamina to go four, four rounds. rounds um so we'll see see what he can do tomorrow see if he can put himself in position to make the cut and you know continue his continue his run here at the at the masters so all right then well moving to our last mixed bag of uh of sports topics Moving over to the UFC, a little little fighting action here. UFC 287 happening this weekend. The big title fight between Alex Pereira and uh, Israel Adansanya. kind of the uh, the the uh, rematch in this yeah. one. Second time these two will be. Uh, going against each other
0: and what doesn't seem like it was that long ago i, I no. remember talking about this fight last mm-hmm.
1: time mm-hmm. yep um and it's uh over at the uh the caseya center in miami so you know down down south south beach you know warm weather uh gonna be taking place on on saturday april 8th um yeah a lot of uh interesting uh you know fights in the in in kind of the main card like we said the big one being the middleweight title fight um Meaning 170, 185 pounds between currently number one ranked Israel Adesanya coming in at 23 and two against the current belt holder uh, Alex Pereira at at seven and one.
0: Matt, what what's your thoughts on on that fight? Yeah, you know these guys are both great fighters coming into this thing. Pereira seven, seven, 7 and one in his uh, eight UFC fights here, mm-hmm. six of those coming by knockout, yep. one one by decision. We got Israel Adesanya. He's twenty-three and two, so you know he's got a little more of a bag of a career here—fifteen mm-hmm. yeah. knockouts and eight decisions. So you know it, it seems like both these guys—they're just—they're swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you have to worry about this thing going to the ground because yep. neither of them are, are seem to be technical fighters. Mm-hmm. Neither of them have ever won a fight by submission. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, I, I think it's going to be a, a knockdown drag out. Yeah, could could go the distance. It's going to mm-hmm. be exciting. It, it's. But it could come down to you know a half second. Right. Somebody catches somebody on the chin. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I mean, this one, thing could one, really one really news. go either way. Right, I mean, right, yeah. I you lost the title to Pereira not right. not that long ago. Yep. So about, about six months ago. See if you can get it back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because
1: uh, it's interesting. Uh, these two guys are actual kickboxers. They, they, that's where they started their careers before making the jump to the UFC. So Pereira actually owns a three and record lifetime. Record huh. against Ana sonia he beat him twice in kickboxing, and then beat him, you know, obviously back in UFC 281 for the belt, you know, in the UFC. So yeah, he's actually three and zero all time against Ana sonia yeah. Sounds like he knows a weak spot, right? Yeah, he knows, you know, knows where to get him. Um, and it, and it's interesting. You talk about the knockout, you know, drag out fight last time. Pereira knocked out, you know, uh, got you know got Israel in the in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one went, went the distance or, you know, went close, close to the distance. Um, But it was interesting because, you know, early on in that fight, uh, you know, Israel was somewhat controlling the fight was, you know, Pereira was actually down. If you were looking at counting numbers or counting the rounds, Mm -hmm. Pereira was probably down in that fight. uh, But, you know, never, never lost his cool, stayed focused, whatever, got to that fifth round, got late into the fifth round and, 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 you know, finally found his opportunity and, and, and took advantage of it. So, I think this one could be another one where we, you know, see both guys kind of feeling each other out here a little bit and, and, you know, picking their shots here and there. But I think this one could go, could go the full distance again. Uh Just because, yeah, these, these two guys, I think are the two best in the, in the middleweight division right now. Um But it's just crazy how fast Pereira has moved up the ranks. I mean, he's only fought eight professional, you know, MMA fights altogether and he's, the current belt holder, Um, you know, he actually he turned pro back in 2015, lost his very first match uh, via a third round submission. Then in 2016, he fought a couple more times where he had two TKO victories. Then he took four years off uh, from from the MMA, you know, fighting to go back to the kickboxing to, you know, continue his career there. And then finally back in twenty twenty made his you know full transition back to you know back to the ranks of you know the MMA and has you know
0: not looked back since. So uh, you think they, they moved him up the card so quickly because of that kickboxing career against Aden Tanya that they, they they so. knew he could yeah. put put up a fight against them because they, right. they've seen it. Right. And I think at that point Israel had already run through
1: the whole middleweight division. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't anybody left for him to really prove himself against. I mean right. he had beaten so many of the guys in that division, sometimes two or three times, they needed somebody that to move up there, to give them a a fighting chance or, you know, give them an interesting fight. And given that Pereira again, had, had, you know, beaten Izzy twice in kickboxing, it just made sense. Okay. Let's, let's see what he can do. You know, when it's not just kickboxing, it's, it's a full, you know, MMA fight. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it played out for the UFC. Obviously we'll see what the, what the uh, rematch looks like, but, you know, I, I, think, um, if you're Israel on and I think for your own legacy's sake, I you, think you, you have win. to win this, this yeah. fight because before this loss to Pereira, you know, we were talking about on and being one of the best pound for pound guys, you know, in the UFC, one of the best in the UFC. And, you know, um, then he, you know, gets clipped, you know, against, against, you know, Pereira. Yeah. At, at 33 years old, um, how many more, you know? How many more fights does he have, right. you know, in him? If he takes another one here, what what does that do for his, mm-hmm. you know, legacy and things like that? I mean, up until this point, the guy has beaten so many big names, but you 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 almost it's it's almost like it, it tarnishes his legacy by having these back to back losses to this guy. Yeah, so I think for his own legacy sake, he he has to win this fight, which. I think probably puts a lot more pressure on him than right. it does the guy that's that's holding the belt right now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what 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 happens. Um, obviously, kind of the other kind of co-main event is over in the welterweight division uh, between number 11 ranked uh Jorge Masvidal uh, with a record of 35 and 16. Going up against the number five ranked Gilbert Burns at twenty
0: one and five. Man, um, and Masvidal though he he used to be one of the the greatest fighters in the UFC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, he's tumbled. He's yeah. five and five in his last ten. Mm-hmm. Just not not looking like his former self. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely you know you talk about a guy
1: that probably doesn't have many more chances to really make a name for himself mm-hmm. in that welterweight division. Uh, at thirty eight years old, uh, he's, he's getting up there. Uh, and, and yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. Back in 2019, guy had three highlight stoppage fights where mm-hmm. he, you know, it was like, yeah, highlight reel stuff that he stopped, you know, stopped his opponents. And that was after he came off a, of almost a year and a half layoff from right. the UFC and scored those three highlight reel, you know, stoppages. In that same year, he was announced fighter of the year. Um, and then it all went downhill after that. It just, yeah, since since 2014, he's seven and eight in his UFC fights. So, you know, and like you said, five and five in his last 10, yeah. uh, just, yeah, again, at, at the age that he's at, there aren't a lot of opportunities left. And right. obviously this is a big one, you know, if somehow he can pull it out against a Gilbert Burns, who's, you know, fighting well himself, mm-hmm. it, it would do, you know, does he possibly move up get, the leaderboard and get a chance, title, get a chance right? you know, another shot at, at the title, um and he is fighting in his hometown of Miami. So mm-hmm. he may have the crowd behind him in that sense. So it could be could be interesting for for uh for Jorge. Um but yeah, like I said, I think if he does lose this one, it, it may, you know, spell somewhat the end or, you know, he may not get many more big opportunities
0: to be yeah. fighting on the main card again. I'm sure all of America's top team will be there in his mm-hmm. corner, you know, mm-hmm.
1: trying to help him out. Right. Um and then the other fight, you know, that's in the main card that I have circled just because it is interesting. Um, And that's the bantamweight, the very first fight in the main card between uh, Christian Rodriguez and Raul Rojas Jr. Only reason I got it circled is Raul Rojas Jr. only 18 years old. Oh, wow. He got his first contract in the UFC when he was only 17. Uh, And then he, you know, fought in his very first UFC debut and he won via a first round submission. So... We'll see if he can be the next, you know, the next great there in the in the bantamweight division right. at, at a very young age of of 18 years old. Um, you know, we'll see what he what he what he can do against you know a Christian Rodriguez. It's eight and one, you know, in his MMA career. So, going to be a good one to kind of kick it off there and yeah. see what the what the young guy can do and see if he you know makes a name for himself in the in the bantamweight division. So, uh, a lot of lot of lot of lot of things happening in sports over the weekend, over the next week, So definitely uh you know tune in keep yourself plugged into you know sports and you know the te- the television so all right well that wraps up our show for the night uh we appreciate you listening to fired up with your host colton Cow. matt Cortis. we uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week and if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or you know you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us mm-hmm. talk about on the show feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias we have an instagram where you can follow us at fired up underscore podcast or you can find us over on facebook at fired up comma sports podcast and as always you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about about the show and as well you can find this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of so apple google spotify pandora so Anywhere we listen to a podcast, you can find our show. So we appreciate y'all listening. And as always, stay Stay fired. fired up.